This is the Life Church Podcast. Well, good morning. Thank you for being here on this Labor Day weekend. Um, my name is Jairus, and I'm the youth pastor here at Life Church. And uh, I am I'm really glad that you're here today. I'm excited to share with you this morning. But uh, I, I just love Sunday mornings. How many of you guys in this room, you, you guys love Sunday mornings, okay? Sunday mornings are the best. Come to church, uh, eat some donuts, get some free coffee. If you hadn't had a cup, uh, hey, it's on me. Go out, go out to the lobby and just say, Jairus sent you, and they'll, they'll, they'll know what to do. Um, <laughs> but uh, I love Sundays. I love being at church with my family on Sunday mornings. Um, my, my wife and I, we, we have a son uh, named Judah, who's about a year and a half now. And, uh, and, and Judah, Judah loves Sundays, too. Uh, he, he loves to be in the lobby. He loves to walk around. Actually, he walks around the church like he owns the place, okay? He's one and a half, and he already thinks he owns the entire church. I'll just watch him. Like, he doesn't need me. He's just walking through the lobby. He goes over to people, and he walks up to them eating their donut, and he says, please, <laughs> doesn't matter who you are, just watch out. Um, I've also caught him uh, after service will start. I've watched him. He's walked all the way up to halfway up the aisle in the middle of, of worship, and I'm like, bro, you, you can't do that. <laughs> um, but he loves Sunday mornings as well. And then, uh, and then and my wife, uh, so we, we've got him who's, who's a year and a half. And then we just found out um, just recently that my wife, Abby, is pregnant with our second. Uh, we're 12 weeks pregnant. So thank you. We are, we're very excited. Um, I'm very scared, okay? <laughs> Two kids in diapers is, is going to be an adventure. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. But at the same time, uh, I'm very nervous. But it's been, it's been interesting uh, because what's happening now is, is we're trying to start, create, start creating anticipation for Judah um, with another baby. We're like, hey, buddy, there, you're, there's a baby in mommy's tummy, and that doesn't make any sense to a one-and-a-half-year-old. And so, uh, so we, we, we're like you know, showing him other babies. Oh, babe, look at Judah, look, it's a baby. And he comes up and he smacks their feet, and it's like <laughs> we, got a lot, we got a long way to go. Um, <laughs> and... Um, but we're like, we're trying to create some anticipation so that when the time comes and he's like, he's excited about his new baby brother or baby sister, he's, he's excited about them coming, he understands the concept. Uh, but so we, that's, a, that's kind of an abstract concept for a, for a one and a half year old. So we're starting with, with smaller things. We're starting to create anticipation and other things. And so for instance, um, we drive down to visit my parents quite a bit. Uh, they live in Kansas City, Missouri. And so we drive down to visit them and they're about four and a half hours away. And so what I do with Judah is I start to create anticipation. I start to say, buddy, we are going to go see grandma and grandpa. And he's like, grandma, grandpa. Like, he gets excited. He's ready to go. Um, and then and I'll start leaning out. I'll say, hey, we're going to go, and we're going to go see them. And he's like, grandma, grandpa. And so eventually he's, he started doing this thing that, that's super, super cute where he comes up and he, and he grabs my fingers, okay? He grabs my finger and he pulls me to the door and he's leading me. He's like, we're, we're, we're going. We're going to see grandma and grandpa. He'll say, shoes, shoes. Got to put on my shoes. Um, and so he, he's ready to go. He's excited. Excited to go see grandma and grandpa. Um, and then we go and we, we go out to the car and I put him in the car and I buckle him and he's still excited. Grandma, grandpa. Um, but I don't know how many of you guys have ever gone on road trips with toddlers. Um, but it, the excitement wears off very, very quickly. Uh, we, we get just a little bit down the road and all of a sudden he's tired of being in his seat. He's tired of being buckled in. He wants out. And so he just starts letting us know. He's just, he, he's not as happy. He's not excited. He's not saying grandma and grandpa anymore. He's just, Screaming, okay? <laughs> How many of you guys have ever experienced toddlers? Okay, no, you're with me. I'm not alone. That, that's, that's encouraging. Um, and so 
He just starts screaming. He, he, he's sick of being in his seat. He doesn't want to be buckled in. He feels constricted. He feels like we're never going to get there. And I'm, I'm trying to explain to him, like, buddy, we're going to go see grandma and grandpa. And, and it's like, it doesn't matter anymore. And he just screams. And eventually, it's going to turn into the question that every kid asks a million times on a road trip of, are we there yet? Um, but it, it, it's interesting because... Um, he, his mind cannot process the fact that, hey, we're going to be there soon. You're going to get to see your family. You're going to see your grandma and grandpa. Um, but it's a perspective that Abby and I have as we get on this trip. We know that, that we're going to have to drive for a while. We know that it's going to feel like it's going to be forever. But eventually, we're going to get there, and it's going to be awesome. As soon as we get there, we're going to have so much fun. We're going we're gonna to eat when we get there. We're going we're gonna to play. We're going we're gonna to let you stay up late, Judah. It's going to be so much fun. We're going to have a blast when we get there. But he can't process that. He can't put that together that, that hey, if I can just endure through this, if I can just stick, stick to it and just continue to be excited, man, I'm going to have so much fun when I get there. And honestly, this morning... Um, as I look to, to my future, as I look to our future as a church, and as I look to, to, to what God is doing in, in all of our lives, um, this morning what I believe is I believe that the best is yet to come. I believe that our, that our best days are ahead of us. I believe that God's not finished with this yet, that he still has more for us. I believe, that, I, I believe something that we say around here that it, it's never too late to become who you might have been. I believe that this morning that God has some, some truly amazing things for us. I believe that, that we can look forward to the future with anticipation, with excitement. I, I believe that we can do this because of what it says in the Bible where the Bible uh, makes promises. God makes promises to us where he says, hey, I, he's promising us freedom over sin. He's promising us wisdom and, and, and peace the Bible says, as we call out to God and we tell him our request, that, that we're going we're gonna to feel his peace. Some of us could use some peace today. He's, he promises stability and healing. He promises us his spirit. And he promises all these things. And when I see those and I read those in the Bible, I can't help but believe that the best is yet to come. I can't help but believe that, that my future is, is just going to get better, that I'm going to experience more peace in my life that I'm going to experience more stability in my life. I'm going to experience more of God's presence. And as I do that, I believe the best for our church. I believe the best for our, our families. I believe the best for each and every one of our lives. But the hard thing is, is that we can look to the forward. We can look forward and say, man, God, I believe that you've got some good things for me. God, I believe that your best is still ahead. But in the moment that you're going through something, the moment that, you, that it's hard to see it, it makes it really, really difficult to look forward and believe that God's best is still ahead. Just like Judah, who's stuck in his seat, and he, he's buckled in, and he's, he's starting to, to work, he's starting to try and get out. He wants out of his seat so bad because he, he's like, hey, I, I know that the best is ahead, but I, this is just, it's not worth it. It's so hard right now. I, I can't get through this. And, and in a world where, where things are just going, so much bad is going on around us, sometimes it's, stay positive is not enough. Sometimes just to, just to, Keep going, keep pushing, it's going to get better, it's not enough. When there's mountains in front of us, when there's things in our lives that are just so big, so hard to get past, and it feels like that the season that we're in is never going to end, it's really hard to, to believe that the best is yet to come. Now, actually, in, in, in my life and in Abby's life, um, We've experienced this, and 
I, I remember <clears throat> finishing college, and, and I remember Abby and I felt like we had a call towards youth ministry and a, a call to be used by God in that way, and we were, we were very excited about that, and we were looking forward to that, and actually, uh, we had a, a job lined up at a church that, that, we, that we were super pumped about it. It seemed like it was going to be an awesome fit, and, um, and then the time came that we were, we were getting ready to step into that role, and everything fell through. We didn't get the job, and, they, and we, we, there was no promise of it, of it coming back, and so we, we, we were heartbroken. We didn't know what to do, and so I, honestly, we, we moved in with my parents at the time, and, and they were living near, and, um, and I got a job working construction, which is funny because I had no construction experience, okay? Um, so I showed up. Um, like, this guy just needed hands, and so I showed up on my first day, and he, I was like, hey, so what do you need from me? He goes, hey, you're just going to be a gopher, which means you know, you're going to go for this, you're going to go for that. And I'm like, awesome. <laughs> um, and, I, and I remember it was, uh, it was horrible because I had no experience. I, I, I didn't even know what the names of tools were, okay? So I remember him telling me, he said, hey, can you go get this tool for me? And I'm like, I don't know. So I walk out, and I get my phone out, and I start looking up, okay, what is this tool? <laughs> I walk out to his trailer, and it's impossible to, to, just, to, to get through another man's trailer because everybody has their own system. And, uh, and I remember I, I worked this job for, for several months with this guy, and I, and I remember as the months went on that it got harder and harder, that I just began to become more and more exhausted. I felt so unfulfilled, I felt like, I was like, God, I, I know that you called me to something, but I'm not seeing it. And I remember in that time praying and just saying, God, I want your best for my life. God, I, I, I want to be doing youth ministry. God, I, I want to be doing what you've called me to do. And so, God, I pray that you would just provide. And in and, and, and that time, we, we had a few other job opportunities that, that we thought were going to work out, and then they fell through. And I remember being so frustrated Praying and feeling like, what's the point? Why am, why am I praying for God's best ahead of me when right now it just, it just seems like it's never going to happen? God's got his plans. And being exhausted and being tired and just so discouraged. And in that time, I began to look through the Bible and I began to look at the promises that God makes throughout the Bible. The promises that the best is ahead of us. The promises that, that we can look, look to the future believing that the best is yet to come. In Hebrews chapter 12, he begins to break this down for us. The writer of Hebrews begins to explain this a little bit to us. But before he does that, in chapter 11, he, he writes this. And, and I came across this in that time where it says, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things that we cannot see. The faith is this, it's this confidence that, that the best days are ahead of us. That the things that we're hoping for, the things that we're longing for are, are, are yet to come, that those things are going to happen. It's an assurance in things that we can't see. And the writer of Hebrews here, he's, he's telling us that it's not just a message of hope. It's not just a message of, of just positivity, like, it's, oh, just keep going, it's going to be okay. But this message of hope is something that, that says... You can look to your future. You can look to what's ahead. You can look to this next season, believing that the best is yet to come by faith. And he goes through and he starts to list in this chapter, person after person that experienced God's faithfulness. He goes through and he lists Noah and the ark and Abraham and his wife Sarah looking for a son, Joseph and, and Moses and Gideon and David. And it lists all of these heroes of the faith and just lists them and says, they, they received everything that God had promised them. 
by faith. They received everything that God wanted them to have. And that, and that every single one of them at the end of their life didn't look back and say, man, I wish that, that God had given me what I really wanted. But they looked back and they all saw how God had provided, how God was faithful. So in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it's coming to the point where he's beginning to explain this to us a little bit. And so he says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. What he's talking about is he's talking about chapter 11 where he just listed out all these people and said, this person and God was faithful in their life. And this person and God was faithful in their life. And he uses this word surrounded. They, they were surrounded by this huge crowd. Uh, as in like to paint this picture of our mind as if we were standing in a stadium. And we're down in the middle, and all of these heroes of faith are sitting up in the stands around us, looking down on us. And they're cheering us on, and they're excited for us, and they're like, keep going, you got this. But they're not just there so that we can look, so they can look down on us and cheer for us, and so we can have some people there rooting us on. But they're there so that we, have, we can look up at them and see that God's faithful. They're there so that we can look up and we can see the stories of Abraham, and how Abraham and his wife wanted a son, and they tried for years and years and years and could never have a son. And God said, you know what? I promise you I'm going to give you a son. So they continue to believe, and, and 25 years later, they have a son. And we can see God was faithful, and he kept his promise to Abraham that his descendants were going to be more than the stars in the sky because of the son. We can look at the stories of, of Gideon, and we can see Gideon, who is the lowest of the low who felt like he was never going to amount to anything. And God said, you know what? I'm going to use you to accomplish something great with your life. I'm going to use you to, to help my people. And, and, and Gideon didn't believe God. And God said, you know what? I'm going to be faithful. And we look up and we, see, we look back and we can see how Gideon was used by God in, in an amazing way. We look at King David. And we see a man that, that was a man after God's own heart but fell into sin and and we can see a man that, that his life was not ruined, that, that God didn't stop using him just because of the mistakes that he made. But we can see a man that God said, hey, I'm not done with you yet. It's never too late to become who you might have been. So, so step into that. And we can see all of these people and look at how God was faithful to them. And what they do is they speak to who, God's, who God really is. They speak to God's character, saying that God is faithful, saying that, that he cares more about us than we care about ourselves. We can look up and see, man, God loves us. So that when discouragement creeps back in, when doubt, when, when we're afraid of, what, of what's still yet to come, we can look and we can say, you know what? It doesn't make sense right now. I don't understand. I don't know why this is so hard. But I do know that my God is faithful. I do know that he loves me. So he goes on here and, 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 and he the writer of Hebrews continues. He says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, so let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance. Let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. What he's doing here is, is he's continuing to paint the picture. He says, hey, God's faithful. We can see that from when we look around us. So therefore, we got to get rid of some stuff and, and run towards what he has for us, running towards a goal, running towards, towards everything that God has for us, R running, believing that the best is yet to come, that there's a goal that we're running to. I want to ask you this morning, what would it look like for you to experience God's best in your life? 
What would it look like for you to see God's best in your life? What would it look like for you to be the best parent that you could possibly be? What would it look like for you to be the best spouse that you could possibly be? To experience God's best in your family? What would it look like to be the best employee? The best friend? The best son or daughter? What would it look like if we, if we saw God's absolute best in our lives? And he does this and he paints this picture for us so that we can see that we're not just running this race as Christians just to, just to do it because it makes us a good person or because that's what we're supposed to do. He paints this picture that we're running towards a goal. We're running to our future, believing that the best is yet to come because our God is faithful and he has the best for us. We, we, we can look and we, we can say that, that God... I believe that you can save my marriage. God, I believe that you can provide for me financially when it doesn't seem like anything's gonna happen. God, I believe that this is a season of my life, God, that you're bringing provision. We can look forward and we can say that because there's a goal that we're running to. What's that goal that we're running to? God's best in our life. So he tells us this, he says, he says that we're running this race with endurance, so get rid of anything that's slowing you down. So get rid of the weight that, that, that slows us down. He, he's talking about the things that from our past that we're carrying with us and walking with. I read this study um, the other day that was talking about negative emotions. And they were talking about how, how, each, how all these different negative emotions affect us and how they you know, affect our day-to-day life. And they, they, they highlighted those specifically shame. And they, they, were, they were highlighting how when people look back on their on their past and look back on things that they're ashamed of, things that they'd morally done wrong and things that they wish that they could take back. That as people look back shamefully on their life, that there was a weight that came upon them, that, 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 they, that they felt like heavier. It was harder for people to be motivated that were full, that were full of shame. It was harder for people to, 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 to chase after their dreams, to, to go after things because of the weight that they felt. And this morning, I believe that God wants to to set us free from some of the weight that we've been carrying, some of the bitterness that we've been walking with, the discouragement, the guilt and shame, the fear and the doubt of the future and of insecurity, anger that we have towards other people and, and unforgiveness that we've been hanging on to for a long time. I believe that the writer of Hebrews is saying here, let go of that weight and this morning, I believe that that's what God wants to do in, in, in a lot of our lives today. We've walked in here with weight. We've walked in here with bitterness and unforgiveness. We've walked in here with shame and with doubt. And God is saying, you know what? That weight, I want to take that weight off your shoulders so that you can run this race well, so you can experience the best that I have for your life. And then he goes on and he says, uh, let us get rid of every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And he says especially the sin because he knows how quickly and how easily sin can trip us up. He knows how quickly and easily we can fall into sin and find ourselves stuck. How quickly and easily we can end up back where we started. We struggled with something for a long time. We felt like we beat it and then we're back where we started because that sin is tripping us up. That sin is holding us back. And that, that he sees that these effects of sin in our life and how it's affecting us. Sees that as there's sin in your life that maybe you see the effects of it on your marriage. You see a lack of trust. You see 
a lack of intimacy. You, you find yourself fighting all the time because of sin that's caused division. See how when, when you put other things in, 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 the, in the place of God in your life, that, that all of a sudden you, you begin to, you don't have a firm foundation. That as you make money an idol in your life, all of a sudden when there's not enough money that, that it seems like your whole world is crashing down because you put our hope and trust in that. That as we're dishonest, that we feel like we're constantly watching our back, trying not to get caught, trying not for others to, to see the real us. And we're trying so hard. And he looks at it and he says, this sin it's ruining your life. The sin is holding you back. I've got something so much better for you. But the sin trips you up. The sin, it holds you back. And a lot of us, we're at this place where we're saying, God, I want your best for my life. God, I want your absolute best for my life. But we're stuck because of our sin. And we can point blame all day long about how I'm not experiencing my best marriage because of my spouse, or I'm not experiencing my best family because of my kids, or because of my job, because we can point blame to all these things. When so often, it's our sin that's tripping us up and, and causing us from not experiencing God's best. When Abby and I were, were dating, we were, um, we were looking towards getting married, and we were, we were excited, um, you know, we, we knew that we wanted to spend our lives together, and so we started looking towards marriage, and we started looking towards, what, you know, do we have a timeline? Do we, what do we want to do? And, um, and in that time, we were looking so excitedly towards marriage, looking so excitedly to our future, but at the same time, there were some, some pretty serious hang-ups in our relationship, some, some things that, that were not resolved. I remember that uh, in that time, I, I really struggled um, to be deep with her, to share with her what was on my heart, to share with her what I was struggling with, why I was struggling with those things. In that time, I was struggling with, with an addiction to pornography. I was ashamed of my past. I was ashamed of what I'd done before. And, and I remember as life got crazy and as life got hectic, I remember the weight of life and just the, the being just so tired that it just led to us fighting constantly. It led to us being frustrated it led to us just looking towards marriage. Like, we want to get married. But at the same time, if this is, if this is the foundational issues that we have in our marriage, what is that going to mean? And in that time, I remember God working on me in, a, in such a real way. And I remember sitting in a service on a Sunday morning, and, and it, I don't even remember what the message was about. But I just remember feeling so heavy in my heart, like I had to start dealing with some of this stuff. Like I had to start getting rid of some of these things. So that night, I remember sitting out on the sidewalk with Abby, and we were sitting there talking, and I, and I began to, to, to just come clean to her, and I began to say, I've got this addiction in my life, and I'm ashamed of it, and I'm ashamed of my past and just feeling so, I, I, I just remember saying, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I remember that night that I felt like there was a weight that had been removed that I had been carrying for so long. That I felt like I was closer to her than I'd ever been. That I felt like she knew things about me that, that uh, nobody else knew. 
that I felt like I wasn't hiding from her anymore, that I wasn't, and there was a weight that came off my shoulders that I felt so free. And that night started a process for us where we, where, where we began to work through these things. Because as I came clean about some of this stuff, it wasn't just that it just all, it all went away, but we began to work through it. We began to walk through that together. I began to go to counseling, and I began to, to seek out, hey, how can, I, how can I let go of some of this stuff? How can I actually get rid of the shame? How can I actually beat this addiction? How can, how can I get past this? Because I believe that God's best is for our marriage. I believe that God's best is for our future. But I know that this stuff is crippling it. And in that time, I began to look to God, and I began to look to, to what he had for me. If you continue in this passage in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it gets kind of practical for us. I love it when the Bible gets practical and it starts to give me a little bit of direction of what's my next step. And so in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says this. It says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Um... Do I have any, uh, just by chance, do I have any, any runners in the room today? Anybody in this room that, that, that you, you're a runner, uh, a few, the proud? <laughs> uh, all right, anybody, maybe you run, but you're, you're, you don't, you're not a fan of running, okay? Anybody else that you're, okay. Um, I hate running, okay? <laughs> it's the worst. Um, I've always hated it, um, and I, uh, I actually, I, I ran a 5K last year, and I got beat by a young girl, and so I've given it up. <laughs> um, but I remember when Abby and I first got married, and we'd been married for about a year, and, um, and I remember, like, it happened overnight, really. I just, I'd, I'd gained some weight. Um, I don't know how it happened. It just, all of a sudden, I, I was a little bigger than I was before, and honestly, when I really look back on it, I, I think it's because I was eating all of my meals and since we were married, whatever she didn't eat, I was like, I'm not throwing it away. So I'd eat her, her meal too. And so I was looking a little bigger than I was when we first got married. So I thought to myself, I need to get back in shape. I need to lose some weight. Um, and so I, I, I said, you know, I'm going to start running, but I hate running, remember? So I typed in on Google. I said, how can I run as little as possible and get the most return? Um, and how many of you guys know Google is just an amazing thing because, it, because it, it answered my question and it introduced me to a thing called high-intensity interval training. And it's horrible, okay? I didn't know this at the time, but it's not fun, okay? So this is, this is what I read, okay? I read about this thing where it was like a beginner's plan where it says, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go out there and you're going to run for five minutes. And I'm like, bet, five minutes? I'm ready for this. And, and it said, okay, so here's what you're going to do. You're going to start running and you're going to be jogging, kind of a fast jog, maybe like 60% of your fastest. You're just going to go out there, and you're going to jog for about 40 seconds. And then what you're going to do is for the last 20 seconds of that minute, you're going to run at about 90%, so almost running as hard as you can. And I was like, five minutes? I could do this. And so I got out there, and I was going to do my, getting ready for my first day of doing high-intensity interval training. I'm like, I'm about to get back in shape. And, um, and I started, and, and I ran my first minute, and I got to that sprint part of it, and man, I'm telling you, I felt good. I was like, yo, I'm fast? I'm still fast? Like, man, this is incredible. And, um, and I finished that first minute feeling good, and I got through the second minute. And after the second minute, I hit a wall. I always hear runners talk about a wall. I think I found it. It's at the second minute, okay? Um, <laughs> I hit this wall, and I just slow down. I'm running like 
You know, I'm not going 60% anymore. I'm going like 30%, okay? And I'm just, and I get up to the sprint section and I'm just like barely speeding up. And I run that third minute, I run the fourth minute. My, my legs feel like jello. My body just feels like I'm dying. Um, I get to the fifth minute and I just like barely, barely finish. And I finish and I'm just like hunched over and I'm like gasping for air and I'm just exhausted and tired. And I'm just like, in that moment, I heard every single coach I ever had saying, hey, stand up straight, put your hands on your head. And I'm like, no, you can't make me. You're not here. <laughs> and uh, needless to say, that's the last time I've done high-intensity interval training. <laughs> but in that, that time, um, as I look back on that, um, honestly, the problem with it was, was not even the fact that the running was, was that insane. It wasn't that I was so out of shape that it was impossible. But in that time, uh, I began to think about, well, as I'm hands on my knees and I'm just gasping for air. And, and the reason why everyone tells you to stand up straight with your hands on your head is because that's how you get more oxygen. That's how you get more air. You can't, you can't get, the, uh, you, your, your lungs can't fill up to capacity if you're hunched over. So if you stand up straight, you're getting oxygen. And as I was running and as I was getting tired, I was just focused on how exhausted I was. And I stopped thinking about how I was running and I began to run hunched over and I began to just try to finish. I'm just like, I just got to finish this. And as I finished running, I just hunched over. And I'm just gasping for air. Thinking about how tired I was, thinking about how exhausted I was, not thinking about that I should be running upright to get air. And I think that this is what happens in our own lives. I think that as we, we're running this race, that we get tired, we get exhausted. We feel overwhelmed with life. We feel overwhelmed by, our, by the weight, by the sin. And we want to run well. We, we want God's best for our life. But as we're running, it's like we're running with our head down. Focusing on our struggle, focusing on our problems, wishing that it was just over. When God's saying here, he says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Why we do this by making a decision to say, hey, in order to run this race well, I can't have my head down. I have to keep my eyes up. I have to focus on how I'm running. And I have to focus on keeping my eyes on Jesus and not myself. That we have to be able to say, you know what? When I look up at Jesus, I get what I actually need. Because here's the thing. A lot of us, were struggling. We're struggling with this season. We're struggling with this sin, with this weight. And we're just trying to beat it. I remember just trying to beat sin, just trying my hardest, deleting apps, getting things that to, to, to prevent myself from messing up again. And I remember just failing and failing and failing. Because here's the thing, it's impossible for us to experience everything that God has for us with our eyes down on ourselves, with our eyes focused on our struggle. But when we look to Jesus, the author, the champion and perfecter of our faith, that he does something in us that we could have never done on our own. Because every single day we're faced with the decision of choosing our way or God's way. In every moment, in everything, we have to choose our way or God's way. In that year where I was working 
construction and we, Abby and I were looking for a job and I remember uh, one day specifically where I was working at a house and I was in the basement of the house by myself and I was ripping up carpet. I remember being down on my knees working and I, I just started crying. And I started just feeling so heavy and so, like, I can't do this. Like, God, God, you told me that you were going to, you, you called me to this. And, you're the, and, and your word says that you're faithful, but I'm just done. I'm just beat. I can't keep going. In that moment, I felt like this is what God spoke to me. He told me, he said, he said, I promised you that the best is yet to come. I didn't promise you that the easiest was yet to come. I didn't promise you that the most comfortable was yet to come. Because here's the reality is that God cares more about our development than he does our comfort anyways. And that we can look forward full of faith. And there's some of you that are here this morning and you're running this race and you're saying, you know what? I want God's best for my life. I want to run this race well and experience God's best in my family, experience God's best in my own life and, and, and everything that I'm doing. I want God's best. And you're struggling. You're hurting. You're walking through this exhausted and tired. And I believe that God is looking at you this morning and he, and he, and he wants to just tell you that, that he's to, to keep going, keep pushing, Keep your eyes on him because as you do that, you're going to begin to experience things that you've never experienced. And as you keep walking and you keep, it's like you're climbing a mountain. God says, keep going, keep going. My best is ahead of you. Your best days are in front of you. It's not too late to become who you might have been. And he's looking at us. He's saying, keep your eyes on me. Keep your eyes on the prize. Because as you do that, you're going to experience my best for you. That's what it goes on to say at the end of this passage in chapter, in verse 2. It says, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And now he's seated at the place of honor beside God's throne. And when Jesus went to the cross, the hardest thing that he'd ever experienced, he had his eyes set above, he had his eyes set on you. Believing that his best was for your life. Believing that you didn't have to live in, in sin. Believing that you didn't have to live in this struggle, but he had something better for you. And he looks at you struggling in sin, and it breaks his heart. Because he's like, I got something so much better for you. And this morning, I believe that God wants to take off some of that weight. Take off some of that sin so you can run this race well. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes as we begin to close? This morning, I believe that the best is yet to come. I do. I believe that we're, we can, this morning, look to the light at the end of the tunnel and believe that God's best is coming. But I think that, that for a lot of us, we need to part ways with some of that weight and some of that sin that's been preventing us from getting there. Maybe you're here this morning and there's bitterness in your heart and there's unforgiveness. Doubt that God's gonna come through. Doubt that he's for you. 
anger and shame from your past. Maybe you're here today and you're like, you know what, there's some sin in my life that shouldn't be there. It's tripping me up. If you're here this morning and you say, you know what, I've got things that are hindering me from running this race well, and, and today I want to begin to part ways with that. If that's you this morning, would, nobody looking around, would you just shoot up your hand and say, hey, that's me. There's maybe some things in my life that are preventing me from running this race well, and I'm, I'm ready to part ways. When I see those hands, if that's you, just take a moment. Just, this, nobody's looking around. I just want to know who I'm praying for. I just want to know. I see those hands. I want to ask you another question. You can put your hands down. Maybe some of you in here today that say, you know what, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. That you're not living for him and that you say, you know, you, you hear about this, you hear that the best is yet to come and you want that today. Maybe you never had a relationship with him or, or, or maybe in, in your past you, you were living for God, but at this point, if you're honest with yourself, you say, I'm not living for God right now. If that's you today, you say, you know what, I'd like to make a decision to follow him today. I'd like to make a decision to, to have a relationship with him today so I can begin to experience the life that he has for me. If that's you here today, nobody's looking around. This is, I believe, a moment between you and God. Would you just shoot up your hands and say, hey, that's me. I'm ready to make a change today. I'm ready to, to choose Jesus today. When I see those hands, if that's you, just, just be, be bold and say, that's me. I'm ready to make a change. I'm ready to choose Jesus today. I'm ready to stop living for myself and start living for him. Come on, I see those hands. Don't let this moment pass you by. I believe it's a moment that God wants to bring healing and freedom to you as you begin to choose him. Come on, if that's you this morning and you say, you know what, I, I, I want a relationship with Jesus. I want to choose him today. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to lead you in a prayer. I'm not going to have you repeat after me or I'm not going to have you... I'm just going to ask that you would agree with this in your heart. That you would just begin to pray a prayer like this similar to choose him. Come on, let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we love you and we thank you. God, I'm sorry that, that, I'm, that I've let you down. God, I'm sorry that I've sinned. I'm sorry that I've chosen my way over and over and over again. And God, this morning, I thank you for that you created a way for me to experience this life. God, I thank you that you loved me, and today I choose you and not myself. Today I choose you. So God, make me into a new person. God, help me to experience the best that you have for me, God, as I choose you. God, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. This is the Life Church Podcast.